This is So Far So Rare, a podcast about all things so rare. This week, I spoke with Sam Tai, and we spoke about loads of stuff. There's some big transfers, absolute bloodbaths in the world of So Rare. We talked about fandom and, and how So Rare has changed it. Uh, we talked about loads of different stuff. There's some hypey tweets coming from So Rare, um, and Sam has obviously been in journalism for like 10 years, so there was lots to talk about there. I hope you enjoy the episode. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen. So, Sam, take hey. How are you doing, no. sir? No, don't do this to me. <laughs> I've been waiting much. to do this all week. I've been, yeah, Sam <laughs> Tigeth. Just fucking oh, up man. as many times as I can oh, in the man. intro. <laughs> Listen, Sam I'll, I'll, you, can't, you can't say anything that, you know, I haven't heard over the years. And imagine going through every school year fresh for the first set of registers with every new teacher. And imagine all the different variations you get. I mean, they just don't know. So uh, it's okay. Is one that it's stands not- out? uh tigger yeah tigger which tigger. created a nick yeah which created a nickname for me at school which i actually didn't mind you know that's not a bad one that's, that's not, not a bad, bad tigger i've been called yeah. worse I would, i've been called mr blobby before so like i mean I take tigger <laughs> every day of the week and that wasn't even yeah. a play on words that's just a fat joke <laughs> <laughs> but um sam look finally you're here you've got a can of guinness um and it's it's some funky coffee infused malarkey but it sounds tasty yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I'm not here to sell products, John. I'm not here to sell product, but the new Guinness uh, coffee cold brew is exceptional, absolutely exceptional. And you can only drink it in the afternoon because the caffeine content is so high that it sends you through the walls. Uh, if you drink it mm. at 7 p.m. and you'll never get to sleep, so now's the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, get get it in early. You have to. That's like one of the few alcoholic beverages you have to drink before five o'clock. It's like an espresso martini. You have to be careful on the timings. <sighs> Do you know what I love? Here's one for for listeners at home. Um, and we, I love an espresso martini as much as the next man, but I particularly love it after like a meal, you know. But mm-hmm. like I'm talking one of those, what I've got very good at in literally the last three months, okay? I was terrible at it all the way through my 20s. I'm 29 now. Um, and what I've got very good at is when I go out in a session and I know I'm out for the night and I'm out all day, I do not overeat at dinner. I learned a lesson of too many times you go out and I get the starter and I get the main and then the dessert. Okay, great. And then I'm fucked. So now I'll just take my time, have some fun, you know, have a little main, take it handy. I might even leave a few chips on the plate, which isn't like me. And the espresso martini is essential straight afterwards. But what also works is a black coffee and Americano and just get a shot of amaretto. Put the shot of amaretto in the coffee. Throw it down the nanny goat and you're on their way, you know all set for the night so there's one for listeners the nanny goat jesus nanny goat yeah i don't know throw <laughs> some rhyming slang yeah um but i have one more non so rare related story that i want to tell i think it's time um i nearly got killed last week yeah what by road rage i swear oh. to god see if i was in america this woman would have shot me guaranteed there was actual like foam coming out of her mouth. I got this rabid, absolute knacker woman, right? So basically we're coming up to this junction and I've, I've sort of went in, I've talked to three, four, five different people who go to this junction regularly. I was 100% the right. She cuts across my lane. So I honk the horn as you do because otherwise she was going to hit me. 
and she got out of her car. She started giving giving me it. She was kind of side on to me like this, so she could see me and I could see her. She's giving me a bit. And I was kind of giving her a bit back. She gets out of the car and I'm like, oh fuck. Like if this is a man, I get out of the car too. And we have the wee standoff and I can protect myself. When it's a woman, it's like if I get out of this car, if she punches me, what do I do? Run away in the middle of the busiest yeah. junction in Cork. Anyway, put the window down a little bit too too much, to be honest. She could have fit a fist through and she nearly did. And she went fucking off at me. She really teed off on me because, and she was saying, you know, she just collected her daughter from the hospital and she didn't, I didn't know who I was honking at. And, you know, I was in real big trouble and I honked at the wrong person and she took a photo of me. I was afraid I was going to get handed into paramilitaries and I was going to be mm. kneecapped that evening. But it was, it was my birthday weekend. We're past that. But um, did she not, did she not know that it was your birthday? I mean, you said it enough times on the podcast and on Twitter. Obviously not a listener. You know, that's ridiculous. I mean, it says a lot about her character, but she, it's so hilarious now. I've got an Apple Watch as of like two weeks ago. My heart rate hit 155 beats per minute. Mom was ready for <laughs> fight or flight, and I think it was flight more than fight. But um, that was the craziest thing that happened in my week. Have you had anything mad happen yet? Nothing like that, thankfully. Nice and calm over here. Mm, that's only the second time in my life someone's got out of a car at me, which. I think two two times in ten years driving. I don't know if that's high or low. About par for the course, I'd say. I think I've probably I had about a similar. Fair. Yeah, I think that's about fair. Yeah, yeah. I've never got out of my car first, but um. Anyway, there we go. There's a side story. So Sam, you've been on the platform since the nineteenth of September, twenty twenty one. So you've been on less than a year, as you said yourself. You know, you maybe are a bit different. I didn't realize. I'm get, I'm getting wheel fever. I'm getting wheels on every single week. And I mean, you still have a substantial gallery, don't get me wrong. But I mean, compared to some of the recent guests, you're in a different sort of ballpark, which is great because, I mean, a lot of listeners are as well. How have you found your first sort of nine months on So Rare? Yeah, I mean, I, I do. I listen to the pod every week and um, it is always, almost always, uh, someone who has a, a gallery substantially larger than mine. Um, so I think for a lot of people listening, or hopefully, my gallery is probably a bit more relatable, given that it's worth mm. just under five ETH, which nowadays is about 6p. Um, but it's, you know, I've got, I've got the ability to run, you know, two, two rare lineups and I've degenned into limiteds pretty hard this summer because I've been so fucking bored. Um, so then an, an, another couple as well. But really up until the end of the season i've just been i've just been trying to hit the threshold like that's literally just goal one two and three hit 250 mm. hit 250 i got my first rare goalkeeper back in the um the winter break in december when austria and russia went into into winter break i picked up wilmar barrios and andreas leitner so midfield and goalkeeper i've just been trying to hit the 250 man and and then towards the end of the season i uh i then started to sort of use that as a platform to try and improve my players or upgrade my players so that 250 was my kind of base and I yeah. can try and notch up towards the 300. So I started trading in like your typical ETH threshold players and trying to sign someone with a bit of a higher ceiling. Basically, I needed decisives. I need more more chance of a decisive. So, you know, I try and get like Felipe Anderson at, at Lazio and and swap him in for <laughs> whichever rubbish forward I was using at the time. And Karen Demib, Karen Demib by from Bayer Leverkusen takes set pieces, more chance sizes, that sort of stuff. And I must admit, I've absolutely loved the first, you know, what is it going to be nine months or so, eight months on the platform. I absolutely love it. Like I have the bug big time. Like mm. it's it's difficult to stay away from so rare data on a daily basis. I'm constantly <laughs> yeah. checking the value of my gallery, constantly looking at stuff. I've put more money in over the summer just to feel something, man, just a bit of boredom. Like mm. I never thought I'd build an MLS limited team, but here I am. 
and I've got one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. I think like you've been in journalism and football for 10 years, is it? So you've been around the yeah, block. Yeah. You've been in the industry for a while. Now, has So Rare fundamentally changed anything, added anything? Because, I mean, it's safe to say you were pretty balls deep already in football. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. I watch tons of football anyway and have done for, for ages and, and all sorts of obscure stuff as well. So watching watching rogue games um, and random games isn't exactly an alien concept to me, but it probably has pushed me into the depths of which I would never have anticipated. Like... Uh, like uh, like a nice a nice 10 a.m. kickoff on a Saturday to watch Fatih Karagumruk in Turkey. <laughs> didn't think I'd be there, buddy. Definitely had, to, uh, definitely had to check myself on that one. I was like, well, how's my Davide Biraski rare getting on? My wife was like, are you joking me? Are you off your game? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, me, I'm trying to find a stream for Zenit on a Monday afternoon at 4 p.m. and stuff like that. And people are like, are you okay? Like tapping me on the head. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely pushed me into certain depths that I didn't think, but I wasn't that far off those depths anyway. I watch a ton of football, uh, Europe's top five leagues, and then a couple of others, you know, the Dutch stuff and the Portuguese stuff. I watch youth tournaments, have done for years, under 19 Euros, under 20 World Cups. South American qualifiers, I've been there and I've sat there, watched Venezuela under under 17s against Ecuador under 17s. I've done all of that. So it's it's really, it really quite, it, it complements and suits my lifestyle really well anyway. Yeah. And gives me an opportunity to sort of gamify it and earn from it uh, to an extent as well, which is obviously very mm. welcome. And how has the ETH dip affected that earning? Do you know if you're here? I mean, obviously, it sounds like you're very much here for the the passion and entertainment aspect, but also making money is is a great sort of um, side puzzle. It's it's a great sort of byproduct of that. Um, how has the the recent ETH dip affected your confidence or or your action on the market? Well, you know, I heard you rolling this around with Chani last week as well. And Chani basically said, as long as you're having fun, it's fine. And I think he's onto it. I think that's basically how you put it. Are you having fun? Like when you put a bit of money into this platform, when you buy a limited team, are you expecting to make that money back? Like I paid a hundred quid for a Diego Fagundes mm. from Austin the other day. Do I expect to make that back in the next three months? No, but like, I do want to have fun and put a lineup in. Um, mm. And I am really bored because there's no European football on. So I do have to trade <laughs> yeah. that off as well. Like I am really bored that you can't, you cannot underestimate how bored I was. Um, <laughs> yeah. so, so it's okay. And look, it hasn't really hit me or affected me because I'm not earning any money on this platform anyway, because I only have European teams. So mm. I have not been touching the threshold for a month. So like it, it, the, the ETH, it almost hasn't really bothered me. I mean, mm. I've had to convert the way I think about buying cards I've decided to start valuing them in pounds rather than ETH. Um, mm. I figured that the best way to do it is when ETH is low, value it in pounds and vice versa when ETH is, uh, when ETH is high. But like, yeah, it just hasn't really, hasn't really affected my enjoyment of the game. hasn't really yeah. stopped me from buying it. In fact, I've bought tons of cards this summer. Like three weeks ago, I sat down and planned an entire challenger team so that I could field a team on weekend of July 15 because I was mm. bored and I, I managed to do it. Um, in a limited standpoint, and I've got a rare team ready to go for weekend of July 22. Like I've been bored, man. Like I, I've got, <laughs> yeah. I've, I really, I've really been putting the effort in. So this hasn't, this hasn't affected me at all. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's um it's interesting because I think like there's a lot of discussion all over the community at the minute around my microphone keeps going up and down in volume. I don't know if you're hearing that, and I hope Emily isn't going to have a nightmare. I'll put it back and hope it stays. Um, the that's very loud. Everyone. Everyone. Okay, very loud. Oh, God. Very loud. Oh, God. Emily, I'm wrecking everything. 
wrecking the gaff. For everyone listening who can't see this, I'm just poking my microphone a lot. Now I'm bloody quiet. <laughs> We've got one more. Let's hope this works. You're going to have to equalize and balance things. Uh, so everyone's talking about Ethan Pounds and whatever else, and it's dominating conversation. But the reality, I think, is that, like, and whether or not this should be the case, for a large perspective, of the, a large amount of the platform, they don't really give a shit because maybe they're not that active in terms of trading. Maybe they're not looking to cash out. Maybe they're not looking to deposit. Maybe they're sat in a gallery. Maybe they're trading. And if you're kind of trading, like everyone's price goes up or everyone's price goes down in eight, fate or eighth. And it's kind of like maybe not as many people give a shit as, as, as you'd think. Like I've kind of looked at it as a bit of a buying opportunity because I have fate sat there and I'm kind of like, mm, do I want to put more in? Here's the real question. But some of the cards compared to what they used to be, um, because it's dipped and because the market corrected and it's off season, all these million factors look very cheap in terms of pounds and euros. But um, yeah, ETH is <sighs> means to an end, John. For me, ETH yeah. is means to an end. It just I wouldn't have it if I didn't require it to play this game. Like I'm not a crypto person at all. I hold no mm. crypto whatsoever. When I join, except for my assets in So Rare, um, when I joined So Rare. I had to get my friend Pet Barisha, who does the So Rare Guide. I, I asked him mm. a billion questions about the platform, but also a billion more questions about how to, you know, open a MetaMask wallet. Like I had no idea what any of this stuff was yeah. in September. I just see it as a process that I have to go through in order to play this game. If they did it in pounds and allowed me to deposit without ramp, which is rubbish, I would I would just do that. But it's not mm. really it's not really beneficial. So it, this sort of thing doesn't bother me. It doesn't hinder my enjoyment of the game. I just play it because I really like it, and I mm. I basically I almost grin and bear the the reality of crypto, which is attached to it, just because it is the only way that I can play this game. Mm. Well, I think like um, so rare have themselves outright kind of said that it's the technology of the blockchain yeah. and Ethereum that they're wanting to use. It's not necessarily people having to be in crypto or buy Ethereum. So for them, it's almost about being web 2.5. Not that they'd say that, but they kind of want it to be really, really accessible. I don't think they would say that they want to be very web three, I'd imagine, but like they want it to be accessible to the lay person um, and maybe take the, I don't know, the tabooness or the whatever it is. I, you know, I, I worked very early and I'm on a run on iTunes and my head isn't firing all cylinders, but I could probably already <laughs> hear it. It's, it's only going to get worse. But um, yeah, I, th I think they would take the ETH out of it all together if they could very easily. Maybe I'm wrong. If they could still maintain kind of the whole blockchain aspect and everything else. But look, we'll see how that goes. A lot of talk about stable coins and all this bollocks, but that's way over my pay grade, to be honest. I don't know if you've anything on that. Nope. <laughs> nope. Yeah, let's nope. move on. <laughs> so... um. Yes, something I wanted to bring up to you. And again, we're going to go down many holes, I've no doubt. Um, Nicholas, Big Nick, uh, has tweeted today saying we're recording this on Wednesday. Um, summer is going to be hot at so rare. Lots of exciting stuff all around. I wish you all some well-deserved rest and fun. And <laughs> my point here, right, is there's two sides to this fence, and I'm going to sit quite firmly on it, and I want to see what your take is. Um, I've been involved in platforms before, and I think maybe because a lot of us have been, I think a lot of us are almost more dubious than this, more skeptical of this than we need to be because we've been burnt by a platform where CEOs would hype shit up regularly um, and then inevitably didn't deliver. So maybe I'm over skeptical, but part of me is like, 
you do realize if you tweet anything bullish at all, you need to deliver the Premier League. That's one side of my brain. It's like <laughs> you. This can't be basketball. This can't be. Um, That's some the thing. Other Asian I, I, I look at that and I think, I think, well, either it's a reference to baseball, or he's taking the whole company on a nice summer retreat for a week. Summer's going to be hot. <laughs> Literally, it could be anything. But in my head, that's like. Premier League inbound. And I think because that's how I think, I look at that and go, everyone thinks the Premier League's coming. So I think I look at that and go, you can't tweet that unless the Premier League's coming. Therefore, the Premier League's coming. And if it isn't, you're a madman, right? That's one side. But the other side of my head sits and goes, this is just the CEO and founder of a company who has a Twitter presence. This company is his life. And all he is saying, summer's going to be hot, it's so rare, because there's a bit of a heat wave. It's a bit of a play on what's going on in the real world. (laughs) Oh, it's going to be hot, it's so rare. Lots of exciting stuff all around. Many things could be considered exciting. And I just wish you all some well-deserved rest and fun. I mean, it's the most innocent tweet in the world. But then all he tweets that, which could be seen as innocent, but it gets nearly 300 likes, a bunch of quote tweets, loads of retweets, and loads of people commenting on them with like Premier League, like gifts and whatever else, and the people pouring um, gas onto fires and rockets and whatever else. And it's just like, (laughs) I understand where you're at and you need to tweet about it and all, and it's your baby and the rest. And then then the other side of me is like, you can never say anything because it's always going to be looked at way too in-depth and here i am bringing it up on my bloody podcast one tweet yeah just, well that's, just, you're you're the problem john you're, you're I'm the enabler you know, you're the you're the one with the x-ray machine here on a very innocent looking tweet um i, know. I mean look they, you've got you've got to be careful like i know that you're desperate and desperate and desperate and desperate for the premier league to be onboarded because it would mean so much to the platform and you have to be wary of you know confirmation biases and reading into things mm. because you want to infer what you what you want from it um but That's really, it. when people tweet stuff, very often it doesn't mean anything, you know. Mm. But even if they're like really powerful, it's just a tweet. Um, so yeah, good old Nicholas is having a nice three Say weeks that in Miami. That's what I'm taking from that. Say that to Dogecoin holders whenever mm. Elon Musk tweeted. Do you know what I mean? No, I, I hear you. Like I think it is confirmation bias is exactly what it is. We all want the Premier League so much. But when we see anything that vaguely supports that agenda, it's like, oh, must be it. Same mm. with. The second thing I was going to bring up on this kind of like speculation, <gasps> I was doing a live stream with uh, Quinny. Congratulations, Quinny. has been on the platform two years. And Andy Laird on Monday night. And if anyone wants to watch that, I think it's on Quinny's channel. Go and check it out. But halfway through the stream, someone commented and I went and had a look and the Liverpool cards had lost their bonuses. Ooh. And as had Kante Ooh. and De Bruyne and the Premier League yeah, players. Surely that would mean Napoli, your, your Koulibaly's lost it too. Is that right? No. Oh, exactly. It's the same, you're it's the doing same what season, we right? Did. Yes, you're doing what we did. It's the same season. Mm. So the Koulibaly and the Trent at the same season, Trent lost his bonus, Koulibaly hasn't. Right. Yet. Do you remember he when will. they removed the bonuses from the MLS cards by accident really early? No, I don't that really happened, do MLS. But that, that, happened. Happened, that happened ahead of this, this new season. It was back in like January or February. They removed all the new season bonuses too early. Um, and had to apologize and put them back on again. So, yeah, it could be an admin error. Could be. Or. <laughs> you see, there's, there's, what, when does um, Serie A come back? Uh, it's usually Syria. about a week after the Premier League or two weeks. So it would be mid August. 
Serie A kicks off on August the 13th, whereas the Premier yep. League was one week before on August the 6th. It's actually August the 5th now, the Friday evening game. Yeah. Palace and Arsenal, is it? But the thing here is, you know, people are saying, okay, well, maybe so rare take the feed direct from Opta X amount of weeks in advance, six weeks, eight weeks in advance, whatever that actually is. And because of that, now, you know, the Premier League fixtures are loaded into Opta or something because they were released and therefore this is what's happened and that's why yeah. Syria hasn't happened because they're a week behind and blah, 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 blah. And that's fair. Yeah. But confirmation bias, baby. Graham, isn't it? <laughs> well, let, let me, here's, here's something that happened to me this week that I noticed when scrolling through my gallery. I've got an Ido Kayembe who, uh, who joined Watford in January from a Belgian club. Um, mm. He has now been relegated. So I'm quite excited about the prospect of having a, a midweek uh, all-star uh, player there for a, like a midweek threshold team. Mm. Uh, he's, he's a rare card. Uh, he's a midfielder. And he has a nice big red X next to his name. It's just come up in the last two days. And I don't know why it's happened because he plays in the championship. So what's going on there? So I checked it. I actually raised a support ticket. I felt like a right dickhead. Um, I, <laughs> I, I put a support ticket in where I said, excuse me, my Ido Kayembe is playing in the championship, which is a scorable league. And you've put a red X next to him. And they've um, they've written written back and said, oh, it's an issue with Opta or something. And we'll, we'll get it Ooh. sorted. So there's a couple of different things happening here. Yeah. And they all support my theory <laughs> which is incredibly biased and hopeful um yeah. so there was definitely dan definitely put it out somewhere i can't see it in announcements i can't see it in official support definitely put out so it was an email there was something i seen somewhere about an issue with the xps and whatever don't know i, I don't have it with me but yeah i don't know there's just a few too many little things racking up mm. and i've heard okay. one or two things through the grapevine which aren't confirmed, and I don't want to even put them out here, but I've just heard a few things that my balls are starting to tingle, but like, I know that I really shouldn't, and I know when you're hosting a podcast that's one of the bigger podcasts in the so rare space, you have to kind of be responsible because we all do have to be prepared for the the potential that so rare just don't get it, and it's a very real possibility. It, it is a very real possibility. Like, when I look at it, from my massively biased head, I look at it and I go, is there another NFT project out there that can guarantee the Premier League as much revenue as so rare can? I don't believe there is. I really don't believe there is. If you look at primary sales, if they stick a secondary sale commission on it, I do not believe there is another project that could generate as much money out of these NFTs. And for that reason, on top of the fact that we know that the war chest of the millions or whatever, hundreds of millions, and also I just in the back of your head, I'm sure, is just needling away in there. Is that I'm not, I don't want to say promise because it wasn't a promise, but it was an, it was a claim, an affirmation from Nicholas, who said that he wanted to get what the top twenty leagues mm. done by the end of this year. That and he was, was his confident. Goal. That was yeah, that was his goal, and he was he was confident. That was a claim. Um, it was an assertion. Uh, yeah. That is surely gnawing away at the inside of your skull there all the while. That all is little things that have mind. happened. Whenever Ultimate Champions announced that they had the Arsenal license um, and someone was a Perez or someone tweeted like, how do you feel about other NFT companies getting Premier League licenses or something? And so rare replied and wrote license with a wee asterisk implying they only got one, which you don't do that. If you're not going to get <laughs> at least one yourself. Do you know what I mean? You don't. Do you feel, do you feel like a tortured soul, John? You sound I do, like a because I soul. feel like, in my heart of hearts, I think it's coming. I think 
subtly, not really abrasively, not to the point that we can ever go, but you said this, but there ha- we have been led to believe it's coming. Mm-hmm. One way or another, we've been led to believe on these little signals and little things. We have been led to believe it. And whatever about XP, it's, it's tiny. It's, it's probably nothing, you know? But I mean, so, something's happening this summer. <laughs> something's Who knows? Happening. Who knows? Who knows? I don't know. Um, but yeah, so, something else I wanted to talk to you about was, there's a few things actually, um, but you're going to be, I'm going to meet you this summer. Yes. Yes, yes, I'm coming to the meetup. Because meet you're coming to the meetup. Yeah. I, I don't know if I should do this. I know how many people have bought tickets so far. Is that something you it's, release if you have an event? It's two, isn't it? It's you and me. It's like seven. No, there's more. There's, <laughs> there's we're, four we're, people from America. Four people. There's four people. There's three people from America and a Canadian. Ah. And there is also, let me just double check this. I'm pretty sure he confirmed this for me this morning, but it was very early, very late his time, I imagine. Flight's booked. We have someone coming from the Philippines. <laughs> Predictology is flying in from the Philippines, three from the States, one from Canada. That's five people from outside the continent flying to be there for this so rare London meetup. So if you're French, German, Dutch, Spanish, Italian, I could keep going. Belgian, I don't know, something else, something weird. You've no excuse. If you're English, Scottish, Welsh, Irish, you'd really have no excuse, like at all. Yeah. That's the thing. I don't, I, don't, I don't think I had much of a choice, especially when you released that it was around the Waterloo area, because my train takes 30 minutes. So, oh, unreal. <laughs> that, sort of, well, yeah, I yeah. think I should be going to that one, but I am looking forward yeah. to it. I know. I can't wait. It's going to be good. There's going to be loads more announced in lockdown over the next month. One, Actually, do you know what? Just to speak on it, because it, it was actually announced since the last time I recorded officially on um, Twitter. The one small bit of feedback that was kind of received um, in any way, shape or form was that people felt they'd led them down the garden path and made them think it was going to be exclusively so rare, massive event. On this pod, people who listen to this podcast know that I have spoke about a few things, a couple of times in this and decisions that went behind it. You know, this is co-located with an FPL event, a fantasy football fest, which are not called FPL fest. They're called fantasy football fest because they want to bring in other elements of fantasy, other DFS sites and other things. So where, because I approach them, just happens to be the first. Now, there will be a main stage with FPL content, but this is a massive venue. It can fit like a thousand people. And I think their last event had like 300 and they actually close off a massive part of it. We're hopefully going to bring another hundred of that. And if we ha- get the numbers... I'm going to be looking for our own area with our own stage and maybe get different content creators to take different slots throughout the night so that I'm not on a stage for ours. Um, but failing that, if maybe we don't get 75, 100 people, if we get 45 so rare managers, I'm confident we'll smash that based on how many have bought tickets so far. Um, but worst case scenario is we have our own area with a bar to do whatever the fuck we want. And then for an hour at some stage in the evening, probably at about seven, eight, nine o'clock, I'll bounce on the stage for an hour and get different content creators up from the so rare space give some stuff away chat chat about so rare and have a bit of a laugh but the whole thing here is the networking and the and the banter and the meeting your online friends and there will be ample space and time to do that um so yeah it is co-located with an fpl event but i think that's great you know there'll be a few hundred fpl lovers fantasy lovers who you can go and give your refer friend codes to so <laughs> Good luck. Someone <laughs> might bash out a unique that night. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Um, I'm, I'm one of the newer codes, so if I even ever get to my thirty or whatever it is, I think I just get a uh, just a limited card. I think um, they changed the they changed the rules on that one quite quickly. If you are there's no newer. unique for you. 
Oh, goodness, no. Are you joking me? No way. For 30, you don't. I'm pretty sure everyone gets that. I don't, I don't think so. Let me have a look. Um, You're about to... St- I'm, I'm telling you, I'm pretty sure you get the unique. Yeah, okay. I'll have a look now. But I remember looking at it and thinking, well, that's not very good. But maybe I didn't mm. understand it at the time because as we've said many times, the onboarding process is pretty overwhelming. Um, it is. So I probably was... My head was probably spinning um, at the site of the website. But I'll have a look while we continue talking. Do, but I'm pretty sure you'll get it. And then just for anyone who's listening and debating it, you know, there are plenty of people coming on their own. Don't let that put you off. We're all alone in this together in our real lives. So we're all going to go here alone, I imagine, um, or maybe with a few online friends. But everyone will, you know, I've met people in person um, about SoRare before. I met 15 people in Orlando, 10 people in Manchester. Um, Loads of people traveled on their own and it wasn't even remotely awkward. Like it's just not because you automatically have something to bond over. So do not be worrying about that. And if you have any more questions, you can find me on Twitter. Um, but yeah, tickets, go and get them. The link is in the description um, or on my Twitter or reach out It'd to It'd be me. even right. more awkward if you brought a friend with you who doesn't play so rare for company because then that friend would be like, well, mm. what the hell is this? And I've just checked my mistake. I do get a unique if I get 30. Um, I probably didn't think it was a very good deal because I've so far managed a grand total of mm. zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually haven't went down that refer a friend route, but I'm thinking I might do it. Like stick it on a few of my YouTube videos for a while and hope they trickle in over a few months and see what happens. But I don't know. Um, I'm always afraid that I'll catch a whale in the affiliate net and then they've signed up to the refer a friend and they go on to spend a hundred ETH and I get like a unique which was worth three grand, which probably actually isn't far off. Anyway, um yeah, so look, that's that's the meetup plug. Um Looking forward to meeting a load of people and fair play to everyone who's bought their tickets. What I will say, actually, and this is the last point, I haven't announced this yet, but it's been playing on my mind the last few days. I just need to work out the logistics of it. I was saying to you before we recorded, Sam, I want to reward people who buy their tickets early. The beauty of buying the tickets early is it really lets me know how many people are going to be there. And the more numbers I have to go to so rare with, the more merch giveaways, etc., they can give me. So if I'm able to go in two weeks time and say, look, 75 people have already bought their tickets then we're more likely to get more shit and help so i'm going to come up with an incentive so basically get your tickets bought before the first of july because i'm probably going to make a tweet soon about that and kind of give away four free drinks or something or a couple of free tickets or whatever to people who actually buy them first just reimburse a couple of tickets or something i don't even know i need to work it out anyway so we've talked about that yes the next topic is about how so rare can like supercharge fandom in players and clubs. You've obviously, as we've spoke about, followed football, niche football around the world for years. But has so rare changed maybe your strange obsession with players, or have you always kind of had that? Because I know, like with me and Danny Parejo, that's very much a weird thing, but I love it, and I wouldn't change yeah. it for the world. I mean, I've had I've had obsessions with players before, but the the difference nowadays is that this player no longer has to be any good at football whatsoever. Like mm. y- usually, I would be drawn to like everybody else. I'd be drawn to an exotic playmaker or a rapid winger or someone that's like Rashford a or Grealish. Yeah, yeah, like, like or anything. Yeah, either of those two <laughs> would be fine. The guys behind me, um, any of those guys would be fine. But if also like a Marcelo who just bombards down the wing and just does his own thing and ignores all the team instructions, like. That maverick players, exciting players, fun players. Because of the so rare matrix, because you end up going and watching games and then narrowing in very specifically on one single player, mm. I've ended up developing bonds 
for those that have helped me hit the 250 threshold. And they're not that good, man. Like, I like mm. these players way more than I should. At least with yours, Danny Pareko is really good. Like, he's a Champions League quality player. For my guys, like my original five first players that I bought in rare to chase the threshold, Jean-Charles Castelletto at Nantes, Wallace at Udinese, Samir at Udinese, and then Watford. I think he's moving again. Luis Suarez, the Granada version. So like the second best <laughs> Luis Suarez in La Liga. And Jorge mm. de Frutos, who got relegated with Levante. Like, I'd die for these guys. They're the first, they're the first cards I bought I bought. And they're the ones that, that kickstarted my my threshold chase back when I could use a I was using a common keeper. You know, actually, mm. some of them have turned out to be quite good. But Castelletto's got um, European football next season because Nantes won the French Cup. So he's turned out to be a, a really valuable card. Um, mm. And Wallace is like the most perfect ETH threshold chasing player in the world. I won't hear anything against him. Um, but these yeah. players I'm, I'm sort of minorly obsessed with. And I shouldn't be. Hmm. Well, yeah, and, and that is what's so rare does. We see, I always think a hoodwink with Cecilia slide into the DMs asking him if he's fit, you know, that type of stuff. And like, dude, Cecilia, this- different, different animal. Like, he's this midweek, you know, this midweek there. is very quiet, right? You've only got Asia, I think, this week. I put out a, a common team, again, just really bored with only Cecilia in it. And everyone else was a DNP and I captained him and he got a hundred points. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm in like the yeah. top twenty percent of managers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just he's because of really senior. Like... He is literally a one man team in yeah, this respect. I, I'm gonna go and look at him here. Like his scores are stupid. And actually, like when you look at his scores, I know there's a lot of risk, a lot of risk tied to him, but like compared like his scores versus his price it's obscene like compared yeah. to like European but again it's just the there's a lot of nuances there but um, I, I'd love to have guys like that part of me would love to just fully DJ into like buying the Gill and the the Sassinias and like all those guys who are just like the best guys for every summer but I just I'm afraid like when I look at like a Gill and I do not know the guy I do not know his history I don't know what his plans are but I always think like what if he just goes to like the championship or like <sighs> yeah well I mean it's you just know? a minefield across the board isn't it I, I saw um the footy guy tweeting today on, on Wednesday he's basically looking at these Umar Saleh rumors who I'm sure you're delighted to talk about um uh you know potentially going to Torino and it's like well he's just lost um he's just lost either Fabio Vieira or Vitinho one, one of the two Porto lads and then you've got Soleil that's like the heart of your under 23 challenger team ripped out and unless you're buying players that play for like Real Madrid like they are constantly constantly on the radars of others and especially if they're challenger and they're under 23 yeah. it's just difficult and I don't I'm, I'm almost fortunate that I just can't afford to be involved because mm. I think so many of my plans would also go awry. Yeah, Sole is a, a he's a bit of a heartbreaker for me. He's the bloodbath story of the week. Where basically I bought him. I think I paid like three and a half ETH or something. Let me and this was before ETH crashed. I could probably find out very quickly. Uh, yeah, there I got him for. I paid three ETH, right? Which at the time was five thousand euro. And a super rare that card sold today for fourteen hundred, fifteen hundred euro. So essentially three and a half grand potentially. That that's the the change in value there. Now I do think that one that was bought today was actually a decent pickup 
I feel like that's a proper FOMO sale. I feel or not the opposite of FOMO. What's the opposite of FOMOing? <laughs> Just fear of missing panic, out, fear panic, of being panic fucked. selling, panic selling. F-E-F-O-B-F, <laughs> fear of being fucked. Yeah. Like he literally sold them, I think, way underpriced. So because I mean, when I look at Solet and I look at I keep saying Solet, Soleil, he's French. When I look at Torino and I look at like their kind of central defender Bremer, who's 25, like he yeah. actually scored remarkably over the last sort of couple of seasons. He scores well. He, he does. Did. And now I know you you like him, you think he's a good player. I don't know if um Umar can go over and do anything similar to that, but I just I don't think he's necessarily a dead card. It's a massive kick in the stones. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not selling him for fourteen hundred quid in a super rare when he's under twenty three. That promising, and the transfer is not even confirmed. Yeah, and the fact that okay, he's not going to a dominant team in the league, but he will play football. Like it's mm. not like he's been sold to Saudi Arabia. Um, it's it's not like that at all. I was monitoring a goalkeeper. Um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Rinner, Jakob Rinner um, in, in Denmark is coming to the end of his deal. And I was just about to pull the trigger on him at about 0.3, I think at the time uh, for mm. a rare goalkeeper. And I started getting price alerts on my phone for so rare data. I got one that was like, oh, 0.28. I was like, perfect. I'll go on and do that in 10 minutes. Then I got another one, and another one, and another one. And you know, when you get like oh. four or five and you're like, wait you know, a minute, up. what the hell has happened here? Google his name, agreed a deal with like Al Sad or something. And I was like, whoa, I was like an hour from buying him. Um, yeah, and, then yeah. you, and then you look at Sora Data and the dots just drop and drop and drop and drop and drop. And that was off a report. And I don't actually think he's gone. I think he's still unattached. And the latest rumor was that he was going to go to France. And so his prices with the ETH crash as well is back up to like 0.8. So anyone that panic mm. sold in that, in that little split hour or two there, is probably feeling really quite stupid. So it's a dicey, dicey game. But that Bremer, yeah. Bremer's more than good. Bremer was unbelievable last season. He got Serie A Defender of the Year, and on multiple occasions he was d- dispatched from a back three. He was given the task of just man marking one player. Like if mm. the opponent that Torino were playing, they had a bit of a habit of of ruining the big team's day, and it was because they could play a back three and ask Bremer to man-mark the striker, the really good striker. Mm. And there were a couple of games where he just pocketed the league's best. And there was one in mm. particular, Vlavic was flying. He'd just signed for Juventus. He'd scored on his debut. Bremer just dealt with him like like nothing. <laughs> yeah, it, was, yeah. it was so easy for him. So we're talking about an exceptional footballer there in Bremer, um, who probably ends up at Inter Milan this summer, I think, or something like that. Um, and he's no cards and so rare. Yeah, so it's, it's difficult... Um, it's difficult to say like whether Soleil can go in there because it's a hell of a step up. Like Austrian Bundesliga to, to top five leagues, big step, huge step. Mm. Same thing for like Brendan Aronson, like absolutely monumental change. Has a mm. big, big task to adjust quickly here, even with the, the connection of Jesse Marsh as manager. And, and then you have then it's the question of can you go and produce at Bremer's level on the matrix? Which I would I would strongly doubt. But Soleil yeah. is a very talented young player. Yeah, it maybe is a bit naive just to look at, oh, who's the best Torino defender? He's going to go in and do that. I don't think he is, but I think like it shows like that a defender can score in Torino if they're good enough. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. there are just teams that no defender scores well um, based on the style of play, based on whatever it happens to be. But yeah, look, it's one of those. It wasn't great news to wake up for because wake up to particularly because I only picked him up how long ago. 13 days ago, and he was kind of my marquee buy for next season, you know. And it brings me on to the next point where 
I have always bought speculatively. I like buying guys if they're a challenger. I don't like buying the hype guy a challenger. I don't like buying Cockchu whenever he's Cockchu. I don't like buying and already I know I bought Gakbo when Gakbo was Gakbo, but like and I know I've definitely bought a load of these guys when they're already kind of something. But my point is I much prefer players with much more with with only really upside. Like there's loads of guys I can go and buy who have upside, but they don't really have much downside. Do you know? Like Nicolo Rovella. Yeah. Back at Juve. All the talent in the world. Downside, okay, maybe he sits on the bench at Juve for a year and gets sporadic game time. Upside, he gets a transfer. He does amazing. Upside, he actually slots in at Juve after maybe a few months of the season because he's playing really well. They're not exactly stacked midfield. That's probably about to change with Pogba, but blah, blah, blah. My point is, Samuel Chukwesi, same. Hulsager, horrible season last year. If I look back through my gallery, like some of my best buys have been speculative. You know, Leao was speculative. Kulisevsky was relatively speculative. Nico Williams was speculative. DeKaiser was speculative. And they're all massive, massive wins. And this is the first massive, massive loss, apart from Wesley, which was just shit trading, that I will have taken. <laughs> and it's arguably the first time, at super rare anyway, where I've went out and just bought Marquee, Marquee Challenger. I, I don't know. I'm just so wrecked. My head is fried because part of me gets the whole argument of you buy the good guys and they'll win you cards. But then the other part of me is like, if I just buy the guys who are a bit shitter or not necessarily shit, but have much more chance of upside, then it's a better bet. Cool, don't, you know what I mean? It's also more fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like way more fun. Like I've just gone and bought some limited MLS cards that are seemingly top of the range. I very rarely do this because I've, I've just not been able to afford to do it in the rare game at all. Um, but I've gone and bought Diego Fagundes and I've gone and bought um, Alan Franco from Atlanta, who's posting outrageous scores at the moment. And I've bought him for a top end price, which I wouldn't, I wouldn't usually do. But again, I reiterate, I could not be more bored. This is just what happens, mm. unfortunately. But generally speaking, I don't see much fun in that. Um, and I like to, within reason, take some strikes, bet on some players. I bought a couple of under 23 forwards this summer. Somehow the mm. value was there and I bought them. I would never have done that six months ago. But summer is a time for speculation. It is a time for projection. Sometimes it goes for you. Sometimes it it, it doesn't. Um, I haven't had many heartbreaks so far on so rare, fortunately. And and any any that I have had have been within reason because my spend hasn't been too high on like per card. Yeah. But I did just buy the backup Union Berlin goalkeeper because I bought the actual starting goalkeeper. So I buy the backup. That's my process. Um, and the the backup goalkeeper immediately transferred to Kaiserslautern in the second division and he can't play and he's mm. 36 so he's done he's out he's yeah, finished he will never gone. play he will never play a game in this matrix again and I spent 0.14 on him and I'm gutted I'm absolutely furious mm. because I disobeyed my own rules about age about like uh, um, security of asset it's the first time I've done it I just got a bit carried away because I was so the goalkeeper Board. market is absolutely <laughs> the goalkeeper market is horrific. It's so yeah. bad that I panicked, and I've learned my lesson. So there you go. Mm. There's 0.15 or so down the drain, uh, and uh, it's the first time it's happened on so rare, and it's gonna it's gonna happen to everyone at one point, right? Yeah, lesson learned. At least yours isn't it's, down the drain. Uh, at least he gets to go and play. Yeah, that, that's the thing. I think like you know, see, it happened me with Car- um, who did it happen me with last year? Who was the big Coop Miners? Coop Miners was the old cockchew and then 
Cookmeyers yeah. went to Atlanta and whatever, had a few good games. Arthur Fiate, the same. But I think if you really do, and I mean, here's the thing. I I know it's not necessarily, maybe it's a unique position where I partially feel like I'm playing my house money because I got in very early and I got very lucky. That on top of a few other factors and, you know, whenever you're making content, you know, you kind of want to do things for a bit of crack as well. You don't want to just be militant and boring. But mm-hmm. like, part of me is kind of like, I am genuinely here hoping, praying that this game still exists in 2025 and I'm having some fun. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm more than willing to back it all and just sit back, have fun for a few years, play the game. And if it's still around by then, Theate and Sole and whoever else could be some of the best champion players there are. Do you know? Of course. It is well, a you're, super you're, long-term you're, view. You're, and running, it's not you're running so many lineups already. You're already playing the game to your heart's content. So mm. whether or not you take these strikes, you are already fielding how many lineups on it? Like say the European season yeah. comes back in. What are, you, what are you fielding? Like seven, eight lineups, nine lineups or something like that? Whatever yeah, it is. Last, yeah. You, you can list a top five because I've heard you do it with Harry. Um, you can literally pick a top five. So you're already enjoying the game to its maximal mm. ability. So you can then go and take some strikes and use your use your earnings and go and go and find a player that you think is undervalued or, or might pop off in six months. Not everyone is in the same uh, boat. Some people need immediate utility and immediate scores. I'm in that boat, but that's fine. We're at different mm. stages. I joined seven, eight months ago. You joined two years ago or whatever yeah. it is. It's, it's, it's just a different stage of playing. Either way, you're just trying to enjoy it. It just comes in different ways. Yeah. No, no, you're right. I think that's it. Whenever I have a gallery that is very much speculative on under 23s, you win some, you lose some every transfer window. This was a big loss early enough in the day. Um, but I'm hopeful that maybe one or two other guys become first team next season, get a move, do this, do that. And then, you know, it evens out over the summer. You know, you could have a few more, like the the Porto lads killed some guys, the the yep. moves that have been happening over at Porto. Um, there could be some more moves to happen. But speaking of moves, not necessarily bloodbaths or anything, but I just want to get your opinion on a few big transfers, unless you have something well, to say. You. Yeah, sure. I mean, just before just before we go into that, I just want to I want to give you something that might keep you a little bit warm this afternoon after this terrible morning you've had, which is if Sole moves to Torino, Torino's manager is a man named Ivan Juric, whose nickname is the centre-back whisperer. The centre-backs that he has come into contact with, including Bremer at Hellas Verona, Genoa before that, but mostly Hellas Verona and Torino now, have become a lot better very quickly. Some of the better centre-back performances that we've seen out of Italy in the last couple of years have been thanks to Ivan Juric, who is probably ready for a better job, but hasn't quite got it yet. So Soleil moves to a coach who is renowned for getting very, very good results out of players in his positions. That actually does warm my heart a little bit. Everyone who's listening to this now who has a Soleil and was panicking, they're probably thinking, do you know what? I'm in. Let's go, Sam. I'm in. Let's back this guy. Um, so look, that that definitely helps. But there's been a bit, few big transfers in the world of football, um, and probably one or two of these are even bigger in terms of so rare. Um, so we'll, we'll rattle the three of them out. I just want to get your opinions on them. The first one I want to ask you about is Hallard at Dortmund. Now, they've already signed Adeyemi. How much is this going to impact that whole dream of under-23 holders? Well, um, I think it's probably really good news for Adeyemi, to be honest with you, um, because Adeyemi is not really a central striker. Um, he played in a front two for Salzburg, uh, played a, and, and start basically makes runs from out to in. He kind of drifts wide off the ball 
and then receives the ball and then cuts inside. So he's kind of playing as a winger, even if he's being fielded up front. So I don't think it was ever a scenario where he comes into the Dortmund team and it's like the focal point up front. Mm. Like he's too, he's too small. He's too slight. Yeah. He doesn't do enough uh, in terms of facilitating play. Allaire does all of that stuff. He like occupies defenders. He like backs into them. He receives the longer balls. And I think in like a big man, small man combo, not as a front two, but like Adeyemi sort of coming off the flank a little bit. Mm. I think it's a really good scenario for Adeyemi to step into because he can still go over the top, you know, long ball over the top for Dortmund playing mm. off the flank. That's what he did for Salzburg. And the onus isn't all on him to occupy people. He can, he can free himself up for shots. Like, I think this is a lovely combo. I, I'm really, really bullish on Allaire to Dortmund, not only for Dortmund's um, stability and, and the fact that they've actually signed a player over the age of 21, which is always welcome mm. um, in terms of a squad balance and an age profile. But like, I think this helps Adeyemi a lot because they were n- they're not competing for the same spot in this team. Mm. And that leads to Brobby maybe becoming the the focal point at Ajax, or do you think they'll send someone else? Uh, who knows? I mean, they've just they've just confirmed their new coach. Um, it's Alfred Schroeder, I think. It's Schreuder, the guy that was, yeah. yeah, he was in charge. Was he was he Club Bruges? Um, so, I mean, I, Christ, I mean, if he, if he plays Charles de Ketelaar in an attacking position, then he's not going to like Allaire, is he? They couldn't be more different. Um, so we'll see it, but it's, it's difficult to know what that coach wants to do. Mm. The natural one, I think everyone in terms of so rare are, they are looking at Brobby, like everyone's like, Oh, Brobby will be the guy now. And obviously his price is reflecting that, but, um, time will tell. Maybe there'll be a signing. Maybe there'll be another bloodbath. David maybe, Nera it's, is, maybe it's Tadic up front again. Maybe, maybe. Tadic holders loving it. Um, oh, I never wish I'd ever got rid of Tadic. But Nerez, <laughs> speaking of Ajax, um, from that old dream team back in the day, he's yeah. been around a bit, whatever else, hasn't really done much, but he is off to Benfica. He is, uh, yeah. I mean, interesting. Like the fact that he hasn't done much really isn't his fault. He, 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 potentially made the worst timed football transfer in history um, in moving to Shakhtar Donetsk in January. And obviously the situation there has been absolutely terrible. Football has come to a standstill and Shakhtar are having to sell loads of different players. Neres is gone. Marcus Antonio is having a a medical at at Lazio. Uh, Mudrik is supposed to be going to Bayer Leverkusen. They're just losing players. And they have to. Like These players need to play football. It's their career. Um, Neres has kind of gone quiet. But he was so good in that 2019 run to the semi-finals. Mm. Goals, assists, speed, coming off that left flank. Um, I really like this one for Benfica. You know, if I if I had the money, I'd do it. I'd go for it. I'd take the rare. But it's it's already at 0.3, 0.4. Um, I think for the last time I checked, more uh, 0.65. Most recent sale. Oh my god. Okay, definitely can't get involved in yeah. that. But I would be really confident in Neres going to Portugal and and doing a a, a pretty tidy job doing a job over there oh, and then yeah. the last one's probably the most high profile one is Sadio Mane finally leaving Liverpool to break up that beautiful trio up top not that Firmino's featured a lot recently but Mane's gone uh, emotional for Liverpool player, Liverpool players supporters card holders on so rare yeah. Mane's gone and he's off to Bayern Munich where he's you imagine he's nailed in that kind of winger roulette thing that has been going on there for so long he has to be nailed I mean he's earning what that quite a lot. I think it's like roughly 250 yeah. grand a week or something like that. You don't, you don't buy a player and he's, who's age 30 or 31, put him on that money, buy buy him for that fee and then go, okay, let's pop you in the rotation with Canabri mm. and Sané, shall we? That's not how it works. So look, 
the big the big decider here is what happens to Robert Lewandowski and is Mane replacing Lewandowski now that Barcelona have got mm. a bit of money to play with. And the thing that really excites me here is Mane playing as the centre forward for Bayern if Lewandowski goes. Because he kind of reinvented himself for Liverpool, didn't he? Back half of this season as a number nine, bit of poacher's instinct, good pressing, all that stuff. But he's also not a conventional nine. And I don't know if you remember, but when Nagelsmann was at Leipzig season before last, he went through spells where he played no strikers at all. In fact, at some mm. points they had five or six on the books, including Brobby, and he didn't play any of them. He just refused. He played Danny Olmo and Kunku was like wide forwards cutting in with no one in the middle. Is he going to move back to a strikerless system and have Mane attack those spaces? It's very exciting and very interesting. And I don't know what the implications are in an SO5 perspective, but it's really exciting for sure. Yeah, it'd be really, really interesting to see how Mane slots in there. And it does make me worry for the likes of my Sané card, um, and particularly, I suppose, Nabry holders and whoever else. They're just wingers at Bayern Munich. It's just a bit of a, a cesspit at the minute for a rotation. Any ideas on what will happen to either of them? Any opinions on them or... Well, Gna- well, Gnabry has a year left on his deal, doesn't he? I think, and he's—I um, think it's—I think that's the case. But I know that he's obviously so far rebuffed kind of contract talks. I don't think he's been that happy with how he's been used by Nagelsmann, and I don't think he's the only player in that scenario. Um, mm. Benjamin Pavard is another one. There's talk that he's going to be moving in to centre back, fully centre back, so that Masrawi can now play on the right. So there's a bunch of players here who have massive question marks over their names. I think Sane, in terms of staying in the t- in at Bayern Munich is pretty safe. Again, big investment. Um, and actually ticked on and decided to play quite well at points in the end. Um the, 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 the noises you get out of the Gnabry stuff, it screams transfer, doesn't it? it Does really, yeah, really screams the contract, money yeah, coming it, in. It screams yeah. it. I seen him linked with Arsenal. He obviously yeah. was there when he was younger, wasn't he? Yeah, back to Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nice. I mean, he, he could. He look. He's good enough to go and play for most teams. Like if Real Madrid signed him as a as a rotational right winger, I'd be like, yeah, fair enough. If Man United turned up and said we want to make you a starter, I'd go, yeah, fair enough. Like he's mm. excellent. I'm having a look there. Have there been any other transfers that would jump out at us? Anything else happened that's a bit... Well, Lukaku is about to go back. Lukaku back to Inter. Yeah, and you know what? Like when you look at him uh, on so rare data, Lukaku. I, I looked oh, at his super rare not too in. long ago. All in. I looked at it like months ago thinking there's no way he stays with this this being the case. Now, I didn't buy it. But um, let me see. How's he got on? Can you expired listings. What on earth's going on there? I can't think. Um, his, uh, his floor is 3.5 ETH for a rare right now. Mm, but his trading volume has been 1.8. Yeah. He... Um, Lukaku going back to enter like I mean if we look back at his scores when he was there he just was incredible but obviously the yeah. manager was different that was when Conte was there wasn't it true true but ultimately the new manager in Zaghi he changed I don't want to give him a disservice but like he didn't change very much um they bought they brought in another manager who plays the same formation 3-5-2 same strike combination type of profile of player they lost the quality of Hakimi and Lukaku and Ericsson and they kind of replaced them with players that are sort of the same, but like just not quite mm. as good. Um, like Hakan Chalhanolu uh, instead of Ericsson and stuff like that. Mm. It just wasn't quite as good. And that's why they ended up a little bit short, I think, in terms of quality. But stick Lukaku back in that system, mate. Put, put him back in that in that league and he's going to score 25, I think. I'd be all in on that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think he goes back there and it's, it's just a match made in heaven. Sure, we've already yeah. seen it. It's not even like there's much left unknown. I mean, he's going to go in there and he's going to be 
Would the fans care much about what he's done? Or will they just accept it and be like, ah, look, you're back? I really don't know. I mean, he's been sort of flirting with it the entire time in England anyway, hasn't he? Because he did that ridiculous yeah. interview back in November or December where he talked about how he still loves Inter Milan. And I mean, obviously, you're, as a fan of Inter Milan, you're going to take that really, really well. Like his heart seems to mm. be there, but Chelsea fans weren't particularly happy. That can, coincided with an injury and then it all kind of went downhill from there. But look, Inter, Inter Milan have just uh, have just lost their title to their, their city rivals. Um, mm. If Lukaku wants to come back, I don't think anyone's going to be moaning about that because they're probably hurting from the fact that they lost their title. Yeah. They'll... Um... Yeah, the pressure on him to deliver. Can he do what Zlatan did? <laughs> Come on in and bring in the title. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm looking there. The, the NFT NYC zone, there's just been an announcement on the SoRare Discord saying, Come and say hello. They've got a little SoRare of a little booth there. Um, NFT NYC, anything that interested you? Do you have any other NFTs or is it just SoRare? Uh, I have a, um, I'm on, well, I've signed up for the beta for club, uh, the club game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I know I know the guys uh, over there, and I um, I played Five Yards, which was their like first venture into it. Yeah. Uh, absolutely loved that game. I really did. And, and when it got shut down, I was I was absolutely gutted. Uh, I was always checking the scores on the Saturday to see if Ivan Tony had earned me four p for a goal. You know that sort of stuff. I was really <laughs> yeah. I was really into it, and I, I, I struggled when it when it disappeared. And so rare, actually, it scratched that itch. Um, but they're producing that game and uh, the beta is supposed to be very, very soon, I think, in the coming mm. days. So I'm really excited. So that is that club is an NFT. So I have that. Um, yeah. But apart from that, I have absolutely nothing apart from the random flyers that people keep putting in my OpenSea account that I don't want. Um, Ooh, I'm not, I I, I'm not very, long time. I'm, as I said, I'm not very crypto and I'm actually not very NFT. I'm just mostly football. So it's means to an end for me. But this this is the thing with NFTs, I think, like for them to really go mainstream and blah, 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 blah over the next three, five, ten years. Like when you look at it, like on the face of it, I am an NFT guy who has a lot of bloody NFTs. You, you're you into so rare, you know, you've got the club. Mm-hmm. But re- when it really boils down to it, you see all the like whitelisty Discord bollocks and getting your NFTs and wallet addresses to get this is and that's in the parks and claim your this is that you've won on the airdrop it's just all a bit clunky or a bit like meh a lot like work see once a lot of that stuff becomes much more intuitive to the layperson that that that's the main barrier because i mean if that's how i feel how does mm-hmm. my mate gregor feel who hasn't a notion what an nft is do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I don't know. I've got a, yeah. I've got a friend called Ed who you know flips pictures of birds like as NFTs, and it's been he did six birds months, or birds, birds like owls. Oh, Just, okay. Uh, buys and sells pictures of owls as NFTs and, and makes profit, and like that's what he does. Like he's a graphic designer, so he's at work at home, and on the side he just buys pictures of owls. Um, he has great fun with it, but hmm. each to their own, Ed. Each to their Sounds own. Sounds like that's a right hoot. <laughs> Very good. Oh, I haven't that used that on him. Damn. I'm going to use that. That later. was so easy. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, people, like, do you just see like the retention of the podcast? It's just dipped. <laughs> <You know? laughs> people have just seen themselves out there. Like, I can't deal with this shit anymore. Yeah. Um, if you are, if you did enjoy that joke, here's one for you. Go and leave me a review on Apple and just say, what a hoot. Oh my God, this podcast is such a hoot. And then I'll know that you enjoyed that joke or go on to Spotify. It actually is way quicker on Spotify. You can click a little five stars there and I will love you. Um, okay, we'll answer a few questions submitted by the community. So actually, do you know what? Relatively topical. MDJ, who's involved with club. Um, ooh, good guest again. 
Um, what do you think it would take for SoRare to go truly mainstream? And if we, you were in charge, what's the first thing you'd do to move the product closer towards that? So have you tried to onboard anyone or try to explain it to anyone who you know in the football world and they've kind of been like, meh? Like, yeah. is that a new change? I've, um, I've, I've, obviously I've tweeted about so rare. And as a result of that, you know, the odd person here and there has gone, Oh, what's that? Or, Oh, I'll have a look at that. And I've basically, I don't know if I'm part of the problem there. Cause I immediately say it's so rare. It's this, um, if you have any questions, um, message me, do your research. Um, and also mm. I also, I always go and tell them to watch your introductory videos as well, but like, just oh, go thanks, and look at man. John, John, John's videos on, on, on YouTube and like, seriously sit down for 40 minutes and just look at it. I don't know if I'm coming on too strong there and that might be a problem, but yeah, not, there's not, there's not, <laughs> the completion rate isn't very high. Um, and I did see this question from MTJ. Um, and I did really, I sat down for like 20 minutes yesterday cause I wanted to give you an answer that wasn't just on board the premier league because like yeah, yeah about that every single week and i swear to god I, I failed i just failed and so i walked into the other room and i sat down with my wife and said let's get a nice neutral fresh perspective on this let me let me let me let me lay the groundwork for you here's the situation what would you do from a marketing perspective to bring this to the wider audience and she said well yeah basically the same thing premier league helps but the issues that, that we've been talking about crypto crypto uh, skepticism is like at an all-time high and this is like mm. surely it's been harder to onboard anybody to so rare than it so it's never been harder to to onboard anyone on so rare given what's happened in the in the market recently the onboarding process is still super clunky that it's complicated the game itself is complicated john like this this yeah. is something that i think about a lot people love the simplicity of fpl it's goal assist yeah. clean sheet that is it and it's so easy to grasp and then you go on to so rare and there's a whole matrix of things about forward passes and possession losses and i think people find that genuinely overwhelming so maybe there isn't you know the adjustments we always call for with the matrix which is basically can you stop punishing trent for possession losses and yeah. um, but maybe there's there's actually an, another strategy to that which is a simplicity angle but not just because it feels like it's harsh on fullbacks but because it actually might make it easier for people to understand and therefore get involved with um but one of the other issues of course is cost like this is a difficult game to get involved with i've just mm. degened into a limited mls side myself out of boredom so i'm freshly aware of this I've just mm -hmm. had to pay a hundred quid for a Diego Fagundes, you know, an exciting player. Fine, whatever. He's cool. He's great to watch. I love his highlights. I also had to pay a similar amount for Zach McMath or William Yarbrough, the goalkeepers for Real yeah. Salt Lake and um, Rapids, I think it is. I don't really want to do that because that's not very exciting. That doesn't feel like a nice use of money. So there is, there is an element of like to get involved and to compete here, to hit 300 points in All-Star or MLS America and have a chance of winning you are going to have to spend 250 quid or 200 quid. Like it's, it's not an option. Yeah. And that's, that rules out a huge amount of people. Students can't afford to play that. They can't. Yeah. So what's the solution? I don't know, but please continue to build out the free to play mechanism. Good, good steps on the hundred cards, but more need to do more need to leverage better prizes for the free to play area need to do the more leagues i know that obviously i asked a question a couple of weeks ago about it and you spoke about it with mark and then you spoke about it again with chani last week he had some really good um really good ideas actually there mm. um that that needs to be built out and there needs to be real world prizes uh, built into that but the best idea i could come up with to answer mdj's question is to leverage the amount of interest they already have with footballers playing this game because yeah. people copy footballers 
a footballer does something and people copy it. It's, it's a haircut. Like, <laughs> the haircut, but it's also the clothes. Like if Jack Greenish can wear a t-shirt of a teddy bear being beheaded and then a thousand people go and buy that t-shirt, which is a shit t-shirt, then it just proves that people will genuinely do anything a footballer will do. So get the footballers that are involved on So Rare, of which there are many, get them talking about it, get them tweeting about it. So Rare should have a podcast and they should be interviewing the footballers on their platform about their collections, why certain cards are special to them, what their teammates think. Get footballers talking about it because everyone yeah. copies footballers. That's the best idea I've come up with uh, of 40 minutes of thinking last night. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And I can uh, confirm that that t-shirt is a shit t-shirt. It's rubbish. Mm. Did, oh, well. did loads of people go and buy that off the back of it? Loads of people bought it. It's basically launched Palm Angels as a brand. I'm kidding. It was obviously a bit more than that, but um, it's definitely given it a boost. Um, mm. It's not. Yeah. Mm, lots of people. Wear it. I see that a lot. Yeah. Um, well, no, great ideas. Loved your take on it. Fair play. And I agree with a lot of it in terms of like the barrier to entry and the complication. I think like the site is way, 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 way too complicated. There has to be. And the, the thing that pisses me off is they've changed the like the user interface multiple times over the last year. And I just don't think it's any better than it was, really. Mm -hmm. It's still all just a little bit too complicated. But um, yeah. look, I, I'm used to it now and yeah. everyone else is, but that's because we've been using it for a long time. But like for a newcomer, so it is like um, mad. Yeah, I mean the game lobby is better than it was when I joined. When I joined, it was awful. Um, I find mm. this one a bit complex. But the, the the problem I have with the so rare website when you load it up is that again, put yourself in a position of you haven't spent any money yet. You've joined up. There's no Premier League, so if you're a casual fan, you're actually not going to necessarily recognise too many of these names that pop up on the screen. Right, the name recognition is going to be lower than it should be. Um, and you go on the on the on the opening page, and it's got like I'll just have a look now, but it's got like four cards listed for auction on the page. There's a yeah. bundle of Udinese players. There's a Ryota Aoki for forty two quid. Um, there's a Rio Miyachi for seventy nine pounds. If you don't know what's going on here, that is incredibly off putting. Bunch mm. of names you don't know for prices you probably wouldn't want to pay. You're going to go, what the hell yeah. am I getting into here? Yeah, that's fair. This page, like, yeah, I agree. I'm looking there, new cards. Because it, it is very, we do kind of lose touch with reality there. But a lot of people who sign up first, they're thinking, I remember the feeling when I bought my first so rare card. And I remember I thought, it's funny because I always feel like, oh, well, it's different now because so rare has moved on as a as a product and it's way more legit. There's more users and da da da. But realistically it's the same feeling whenever i signed up to so rare a year and nine months ago or whatever and i bought my first card i thought i was mad spending 30 quid on peter Zielinski. i thought i was absolutely crazy <laughs> me too man me too you know, was five and that, euros, was, that was five euros that was, on the limited and i was like am i am i have i made a huge mistake what am i doing i've just pissed this money away. <laughs> i was like 30 quid on a jpeg what have i done and regardless of how much my confidence has grown in the platform over time and how i know the ins and outs and have followed its journey to the, someone who's just heard about so rare through someone talking about it and they go and check it out it's the exact same feeling and if i didn't in those early days have a couple of people who i kind of knew and trusted coaching me through that process I probably wouldn't have bothered my arse. And then if you mm. throw on top of that, oh, you have to go and get a MetaMask wallet or a Coinbase wallet or a this or a that. It's just like, it really, there, there's a lot of barriers there. But um, yeah. By look, the way, though, 30 quid for Zielinski, what a deal. Fair play. 
Yeah, that was a long time ago. I think it was 30 quid. It was one of my first. I got a Alexander Nubel for 79 quid. Oh, very good. Well, it would have yeah. been a lot of the time, but right now it's looking like a lot. He's like 1.5 ETH, isn't he? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was not 0.198, 77 euros. Um, yeah, so I've got a few nice ones back then. Hans Vanek and I only paid 418 euro for. Um, Coop Miners. A lot of them look cheap. But um, yeah, good question here from um, Genesis. Who's going to be better for Real Madrid from an SO5 perspective, Shumeni or Kamavinga? And I read today that Cruz didn't sign his contract. Didn't you just buy Cruz? I did, but I kind of mm. hoped he'd stay and play a lot at Real Madrid. But I don't mind. I think if he goes somewhere, I think the only reason I could see him wanting to leave is that he feels that he's being replaced already by Kamavinga, Shumeni. Modric yeah, is there. Casemiro's there. He's there. If he isn't going to be guaranteed nailed time. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. retired internationally, didn't he? Yes, yes, yes. That was a little while and ago, if wasn't it? I mean, yeah. I mean, if uh, you retire internationally, like you want club football. Yeah. You know? He might he might feel like um he's completed it, mate, you know? Um yeah, like how like how much more also it might just be that, you know, he's playing hardball or whatever. But I think you're okay with Crows because anywhere Tony Crows goes, he plays because he's awesome. So that doesn't yeah. really matter. But uh yeah, Real Madrid are doing the, re- the the midfield rebuild. They're getting it. They're getting it in through the door a year or two early, um, because these three aren't done. No, no, by by no stretch of imagination. It's a difficult question to answer because the obvious answer is they'll both score really well once they've settled into the team. Um, yeah, but it's also really difficult to answer because it kind of depends on the manager. And with Real Madrid, you never really know who's going to be in charge from one year to the next. And when Florentino Perez hits that big red button, um, but under Ancelotti which is kind of like how I can answer the question, I guess. I think the answer is probably Camavinga. And that's because Madrid under Cam, uh, Madrid under Ancelotti, there's kind of like a lawlessness to their attack. Um, it's so different to everybody else's. You know, you look at Guardiola and Klopp and Tuchel and the way that they try to instigate patterns of play and frameworks for the attack and the ball goes here, then it comes back here and you've got patterns. Real Madrid is literally just like, just run around a bit and do what you want. You're all brilliant. Just do it. And that is genuinely what they do. They are so different to everybody else. And I think Camavinga really thrives in that kind of atmosphere because he's so well-rounded and can do so many things. And if you don't weigh him down by tactical principles, I think he just goes mad. I think he flourishes. So I think they both score really well, but I think Camavinga has the edge. I think for me, I'd answer Camavinga with a much less eloquent answer purely because he's already shown us in what was it half a season at Real Madrid that in that time through rotation and everything else he still shot a 77 an 85 a 92 a 91 and a couple of 60 scores he has shown in that team that he can put up all around scores of 37 of 30 of 32 of 24 so like I think if he was to become a much more nailed player and bear in mind he's under 23 till 2027 give him two years Give him three years. You're still you're still gonna have two years under twenty three eligibility of Camavinga in a Real Madrid team where he I believe if he was actually nailed every week and playing week in, week out, would yeah. be Cruz-esque. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a bit strong. Don't, but like, don't underestimate the the weight of the price tag here. Like two and many for a hundred million is a lot. It's it's arguably a bit too much, but whatever. They had a lot of Mbappe money and they got burned. It's just the way the world works. Um and it feels like a good deal anyway because Chuameni feels like he can't fail. But the n- the number of transfers for a hundred million or more that have actually worked worked is disgracefully low. 
Like the hit rate is appalling. Even mm. if the talent looks nailed on, the hit rate is awful. So just from that perspective as well, just to add it in, it's all hypothetical. And I'm not saying Chua many fails because I think he's brilliant, but just like Kamavinga came in, he's already he's already there, as you say, he's already posting the scores and he doesn't have this price tag, which has felt so prohibitive really? to so many players. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of like transfers that there's so many of them as you say that have been up in that sort of those upper echelons that just don't really work out Pogba Griezmann Felix Dembele uh, Dembele they've Lukaku. all failed to different yeah different different extents sometimes it's not the player's yeah. fault but they haven't been successes Neymar hasn't mm. really been a success <laughs> yeah yeah you know yeah. it's difficult Doesn't it's a difficult enough, market Perez says where's his Pomacal money um, and then he says a serious one <laughs> Your, you, what tell us that what happened Jeff? yeah so Perez big shouts out to Perez um who again has been really helpful to me along with Pet at the start of the game back when I was trading in limiteds and and dipping my toes in five euro players and just getting just getting used to it all I had never owned a rare player before I just didn't have a card um they were all too expensive and Perez won a Paxton Pomical in the under 23 reward pool and he put it on Twitter and said don't really want him or Something, something, something along the lines of not that asked about this one. And I really like Pomical. And I was like, well, yeah. I'll have him then, just as a joke. And then next thing I knew, there was an <laughs> offer in my inbox. You send nothing. You receive Paxton Pomical rare. So Perez gave me my first ever rare card. And I had a rough plan to build an MLS team. But do you remember last Christmas when by December, the MLS prices has already just gone absolutely mad? Mm, yeah. It rocketed so much quicker than I thought it was going to. But by the time I settled down to build the team, it was already too expensive. So actually, mm. I decided to sell Pomical in the hype, um, and I got about hundred. <laughs> I got about hundred and thirty quid for him. Um, oh no! And I and I offered Perez fifty percent of the fee, and he declined it. So he doesn't get any money now. You can't call your debts in later. <laughs> it was a gift. Do you know what I mean? It was a That's gift. A I, gift. Did off, I did. I did offer him the money, and he said no. He's very gracious. He's also um, loaned me loaned me cards to hit the threshold. Like he's a good dude. Yeah, yeah. Loaning is um very, very handy for people getting started out. Like and I think it's it's great that I'd I'd love a more official way it could be done, um, to be honest with you, because I think it is a really good way for people to sort of dip the toe and have a crack. Um but he, he had a serious question. Who are your top three under twenty three talents to watch out for next season under half an eighth? Now when did he submit this question? Yeah, ETH had crashed. So it is under half an ETH, actually yeah. half an ETH now. I, I did check. He, he said he, he said 0.5 per player. So it gives you a bit more wiggle room. And I did. I prepared yeah. a top three. I mean, my podcast is called Ranks FC. I rank stuff for a living. So of course, I'm more than happy to prepare a ranking of a top three. So I'll crack on. Um, I rank them three to one based on how confident I am in them. Three being could definitely go either way. And it's Ansgar Knauf. He's on loan oh, at yeah. Frankfurt from Dortmund. He's about six months into an 18-month loan. He's just won the Europa League, so he's in the Champions League next season. Now, it's a funny one because I don't know how much you've seen of him, but he's actually naturally a winger um, and he's absolutely rapid, but he's been playing wing-back for Eintracht. Mm. Um, and they've got a funny system where they basically give the ball to Philip Kostic on the left, who's like always top for key passes and best crosser in the world and all that stuff. And he crosses it in and then Kanauf kind of crashes into the back post and tries to get his head on it or his foot on it or send it back across goal. And he's constantly mm. in the box getting opportunities. And he posts some decent scores as a result of that. Now, obviously, the drawback with wingbacks and stuff usually is the possession losses, right? But he yeah. doesn't have any cards as a defender. 
his, his Dortmund ones are midfielders and his Eintracht ones are forwards. So his possession losses are stymied in terms of the, the, the negative scores. So he's, mm. still, he's still losing the ball 16, 18, 20 times a game, but he's only getting done minus two points rather than minus 20. So uh. I, don't, I don't know what happens next season. Do they start minting him as a defender and have all three? But either way, I think there are like 40 cards of Knauf and the majority of them are forward and the, other, and the yeah. others are midfield. So you're going to be protected. Those 40 cards are protected against those potential changes for possession loss. Um, Kostic might leave. It might all change. He might end up up front. I don't know. But based on last season, Kanauf is a player who's sort of starting to starting to get into it a bit. And he's got a really nice, like, odd matrix protection there that was quite mm. quirky. Yeah, no, that is. That, that's great. And as, if you go on to so rare data, go to SO5 scores and sort his position by forward, defender or midfielder, there's a notable jump whenever you go, um, particularly in the lower scores, whenever he doesn't score great as a forward, he'll get a 40. Mm. But whenever you stick him as a defender, he would have got a 20 or a 25. And that can be the difference between killing a lineup or keeping you half in the race. Yeah. Um, so it's a nice kind of edge to have. Yeah, I like it. There's a lot can change there, but under 23 until 2026 and has like a, a chance protection against the bad bits. So I quite like it. As a threshold player, I'm always looking mm. at like the, the the floor rather than the ceiling. That's kind of how I've been yeah. trained to look at it, right? And that's kind of that kicking in. But um, the second one is, I mentioned him a bit earlier, is Marcos Antonio um, signing for Lazio from Shakhtar. This guy's such a baller. Have you seen him in midfield? No. He's so no. good, man. He's so good. And he's going to Sarri's Lazio. Like, if he plays, he's going to get 100 touches a game. He's going to kill this matrix. And if that, I don't know where the opening is. He might have to be holding midfield for now. He's more of a more of a, a central midfielder, like a number eight. And he might take him a bit of time to come into the team. Obviously, they've got Milinkovic-Savic and Luis Alberto. They've got good players. But Antonio is like... He reminds me of Thiago Alcantara at times. So the way the way he picks long passes and stuff, he's seriously good. Again, he's been at Shakhtar, hasn't played much. I like this a lot as a match between the two, player and manager. Mm. I like. Um, I love the stand for pace cards. I don't know, and yeah. this is kind of a side topic and getting more yeah, yeah. aesthetics than the actual in-depth analysis from you, which is beautiful. But like, just when I see Shakhtar and I see that like stand for pace card in the market, I just think it's such a lovely card. Mm. Um, and it's obviously him and Shakhtar. It'd be really interesting to see how he gets on. Um, I'm, yeah. You're making me You're making me want to buy him. You're making me want to buy know, him. I know. I know. I'm not trying to do that. <laughs> and my, my last player, number one, is someone that I own. I'm not trying to pump him because I really don't want to sell him. I've got a lot of faith in this player. Is Thiago Tomas at Stuttgart. Another similar one, six months into an 18-month loan. Um, he's 20. So he's under 23 until 2026. Despite the fact that Stuttgart were absolutely in the shit the entirety of the second half of last season and only survived on the last day, the coach called on him 13 times in a row to start games right in the mix, mm. right in the mire. He's got the trust of the coach. His play style suits the Bundesliga really well. He's super energetic and plays really direct and fast and presses. The only problem is he hasn't scored enough goals, but he is getting mm. into the right positions. And I think he just he's a young striker. He's just going to mature gets into the second half of that loan. He scored four goals in 13 games last season. Not really good enough. Not not horrendous, but not 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 nothing to move mm. the needle. But if that starts to tick up this season as he starts to mature and just find that moment of composure, I've got a, I've got a really good feeling about Thiago Thomas. Again, he's uh, under 23 until 2026. Yeah. 
yeah, I, I see what you mean there. Like all those games yeah. in a row at the end of the season, it really does say a lot, doesn't it? He got a couple of mm-hmm. goals, which is nice, but it's always exciting to see how players like that. He's come from Sporting. Did he? How did he do at Sporting? Actually, did he do all right? He was part I mean, player. He was kind of in and out because they had a diff, they had a different they had Paulinho up front. I'm sure you've mm. seen Paulinho missing open goals but scoring 30 yarders in the Champions League. Very yeah. peculiar player. Tiago Tomas though was um he was one that played with the Portuguese under 21 setup and he played really well. So I caught him there and he was with Fabio Vieira and Vitinha and he was in the same team and they were mm. so good. So like all of those Portuguese players, I love. Um, you got the Diogo Costa was in at the the Porto goalkeeper. It's a hell of a generation, and he's uh, he's one of their strikers. Mm. A few yeah. nice questions here from Marco Sullivan to wrap up, and that's the three players and three great players at that. Fair play. Um, the three, two or three questions here from Marco Sullivan. Given your journalism background, when do you think the Athletic will have a so rare section? Given that they already have a section <laughs> for FPL, I think that's kind of funny because they notoriously gonna, aren't big fans. Hang on a minute. Uh, I think whenever Joey Derso walks from his job, um, mm. I don't know. Like, I, I think there might be an internal barrier there. Um, I know that the Sorare community don't like Joey that much. Um, I'm reliably informed he's a lovely guy. Uh, I know uh, I know at least 10 people that work for The Athletic, again, due to the journalism background, and they all swear yeah. he's lovely. But for some reason, maybe he's just too cautious. He doesn't like these projects. Maybe he's right. Um, but I can't see <laughs> yeah. The Athletic, I can't see the athletic uh, picking up a, se- uh, a section. Also, I looked up the number of active users for the for FPL when he asked this question. It's more than eight million. So uh, some work some work to go for so res genuinely yeah. engaged one hundred thousand or so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, th- I thought it was kind of funny when he said that because your man Joey obviously has a. <laughs> Do you know what it is on that whole thing? Like, I and again, I'm no journalist, and I'm really not trying. I don't even need you to comment because I don't want to try and make you in- come into this drama. From the outside looking in. It just seems like shit journalism because it doesn't feel balanced. But maybe that's not the point of journalism. Maybe part of journalism is whipping up a storm so you get the clicks to sell the ads. I don't know. But for me reading it, I really respect a lot of the concerns. I just wish it was a more balanced piece so that it could, and then it would actually get credibility from the Sawyer community. People would go, oh, well, do you know what? He has a fair point. And maybe the purpose of those articles is to alert people who are exposed to so rare of the risks and it would do a better job of that if it was more balanced because then you'd actually get into the community instead of people just being like, well, you're wrong about this, you're wrong about that, that's incredibly biased, that's wrong, that's sensationalist, fuck off. But anyway, that's my take on that. Question two uh, from Mark. Any plans to introduce so rare content or partnering with so rare content producers to bring so rare content to Ranks FC? Again, probably a bit of a way to go as opposed to the three billion or something football fans around the world are hundred thousand yeah, yeah. strong. Probably, probably a bit too niche at this point. Um, also like, again, I don't know if I've got this completely wrong, but I personally am like very, very cautious about um, trying to not shove it down their throats is not the right word. Cause that's not how it, that, that's not how it works. But I odds are 50% of my listeners at ranks FC are crypto skeptics or, or worse. And, mm. I don't really like alienating anybody um, in the listener base. And so I don't really want to, to present that to them from a company vehicle. Now, I talk about So Rare on my own channels, no problem. You can't stop me from doing that. That's fine. Don't listen mm. to me if you don't want to. But from a company perspective, with with the recent crash and, and obviously the, 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 the standard skepticism, I'd be really reluctant to do that sort of thing, as, as useful as it could be for So Rare, unfortunately. Yeah, you're just opening yourself up to criticism that 
the reward yeah. maybe isn't there for the risk you would take from like a company standpoint. Um, yeah. And again, that does kind of go back to the point that, you know, that kind of attachment to crypto and NFT, what's the word, that NFT skepticism across the sort of footballing world, um, that's the main thing that needs addressed, I think. And I don't even know how you educate people or I don't know how it works. How, I how they're going to overcome that obstacle, really. But, um, but you know when a football it, club announces a partnership with a crypto company and like any kind like a, a shirt sleeve sponsor or a partnership or something else whatever it is if they you look at the replies on twitter to that that yeah. club official account tweet and it's just a load of football fans going this is this is the dark ages why have you done this oh no not my club this is a scam that's the that's the barometer of it that's what i'm cautious of because those are the people that i'm talking to and um i don't want to i don't want to present to them anything that they don't they are so vehemently against rightly or wrongly mm. No, I hear you. Um, and the last question, if you could give one tip to someone just about to start playing so rare, based on your experiences so far, what would it be and why? One, one tip. tip. Hmm. It's, always, <laughs> this question's asked all the time, but I think it's always the kind of samey stuff. And you sound like you might have something creative with that laugh. But no, like... I don't think so. I was just trying to think of another answer other than just, just um, don't buy players that you've never seen play would be what I would tell people. Um, if you're nervous about the products, you're dipping your toes, if you're nervous about the platform, if you're not sure about crypto, all of this stuff. And if you're worried about investing two, three, even four or 500 pounds at times into a footballer, a picture of a footballer at its core, just mm. make sure you know he's a good player. Like, mm. make sure you've seen him. This is how I started. I didn't buy anybody that I hadn't seen play and I knew was good because you never know when you're looking at... I don't know, let's go um, a, a random Belgian team's like recent uh, 11s. You go and pick mm. a player who's played all of the last 15. All right, he seems like a safe bet. Could be that there's another dude who's torn his ACL. He's out. And in three months, he's back in and that guy's out. If, you, if you're mm. uncomfortable with this unknown, just buy players you know are good. That's basically mm. what I did. Because then you remove yeah. so, a layer of risk. Yeah. No, I hear you. If you go, also, if it gives you a pan, like if you know Umar Saleh, you know, gets a bad move and it ruins his matrix scores. Well, at the very least, you can sit there and go, "Well, I know he's a good player, so at least there's that. I can mm. sit on that." Like I haven't bought a bunch of rubbish. I didn't do yeah. what Sam did and bought a 35 year old backup goalkeeper who went to Kaiserslautern. That was really dumb, wasn't it? You didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that that is fair, and I think that's why quite often now when I'm looking at like more speculative kind of superheroes and stuff. I like looking at under 23s that are in champion. Um, this is completely against what you're saying. It's kind of not against, but it's different to what you're saying, but I'm kind of segueing into this no, because I feel like exposure, man. It's like starting yeah. versus playing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. But I feel like when I buy like the champion under 23s who are outside teams, the downside is that they get transferred possibly to a challenger team, which would be great. So it's not necessarily downside, it's actually upside. So in, in real world football terms, oh, he's not he's not going to cut it. He has to go to Belgium. Okay, that suits me down to the ground. Oh, he's not going to cut it here. He has to transfer to a different team in one of Europe's top five leagues. And why are they buying him? Probably to play him. Or he breaks into the first team. I feel like it's win-win-win unless he is a bench fodder player for eight years or goes to Saudi Arabia. Or, mm. yeah. do you know, I feel like, those types of players, if they're actually decent or they've shown something at some stage, I just think there's a, a lot of upside there and the downside's quite limited. Um, yeah. And even if they don't play long enough and there is that bit of hype, do you know, 
not playing is probably the best thing that can happen for their price if they're yeah. a hype guy. But um, look, Sam, we're getting on. Um, I need a bounce. So I'm actually going to go and record a fun video with Marco Sullivan, who we just um, answered some questions from about the effects of ETH and, and on Sower and stuff. That video will be going at my YouTube over the next few days. Um, so I hope people enjoy that. But um, we need to play the 137 game before you go. So last week, Chani picked Gil and Fuji, who scored a combined total of... He mightn't have been far off here, you know. He predicted something pretty outrageous. He said Gil would hit an 80. Gil hit a 78. And he said uh, Fuji would hit 57. He only hit 36. So he got a total of 112. Um, I'm just checking my maths. That's 114, not 12. 114, which leaves him 23 off, which means 27 quid goes to charity, which means we're up to 142 quid. I'm going to have to square this balance in. Might give it another week or two. It's mm. it's going to charity. I think I'm. Do you know what I think I'm going to do? And this will divide the audience. I think I'm going to give it to to a dog charity in my town ta- and where I'm from. I fucking love dogs, man. I am like creepily. I love dogs too much. Not too much. You can't mm. love them too much. Anyway, yeah. Sam, who are your two players? I've been waiting my whole life to play this game, John. My whole life. And you're going to um, nail it. I hope you nail it. Uh. I well, it's it's not it's out of season, so it's difficult for me. But I'm going to go for two of my MLS players that I've recently acquired. Um, mm-hmm. I'll take Alan Franco at Atlanta United, uh, centre back, and uh, Diego Fagundes, who will be my captain this week for sure. He's at Austin. Fagundes, yeah, Franco Fagundes, Lovely. two Fs. Well, look, I wish you the best of luck with that. Sam, thanks a million for your time. I really do appreciate it. Um, you're obviously making lots and lots of content. Is there anything you want to plug before you go or where can people hear you talk more about football? Sure, yeah. Uh, I mean, I run a I run a weekly podcast on a Wednesday called Ranks FC. Um, I used to work for Bleach Report and that podcast was called BR Football Ranks. I left, took the podcast independently, so any support is appreciated. We talk about European football basically uh, that's kind of what we do so if you like your football need a podcast that isn't necessarily so rare related but is just about football then mm. come give us a shot that'd be great cool ranks FC and I'm um, it's at Sam Ty on Twitter but it's Ty football it's Ty yeah okay people come find you you'll be tagged anyway uh, look thanks a million I'm sure hopefully it won't be the last time we, we speak I'll see you in the summer anyway Yes, yes, yes. I'll see you at the meetup. That's going to be good. Yeah. Uh, do you know what? Do you want me to? Do you want me to walk you onto the stage, holding your hand, giving you so nervous about speaking in front of all those people? I'd say yes, but I think your hand would be very wet with the sweat off my palms, <laughs> <laughs> which is rotten. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, I think what a lovely note to leave on. <laughs> I, I actually, do you know what? I'm kind of bigging it up. Like, I will actually be grand. I've done stuff before. It just is a wee bit nervy, like when you're used to talking like when you're doing live streams to hundreds of people you don't really give a shit but when you're sat and they're all looking at you do you know what the big thing i'm kind of nervous for it's the live feedback like i'll say something on this podcast and i might think it's kind of funny and maybe everyone at home has a giggle or maybe they're just flat palm face and they think "Ugh, get on with the football stuff do you know (laughs) i have no idea but when i do it live and i think something's funny and it's like crickets it'll be like oh fuck or maybe i'll say something i don't think that's funny and everyone's laughing their tits off and i'll be like i'll start to think i'm a comedian and i'll go too far so anyway it'll be good fun it'll be good fun. yeah it will be yeah keep your ego in check and you'll be all right uh as long as you don't get heckled everything's fine you did great oh i'm definitely gonna get heckled man aren't i (laughs) oh i don't know if i've skin thick enough for that shit like 
need to come up with a few quibby like one-liners they come up with them this is, why, have, like, this is why you want people to get the tickets in early so you know everyone's identity so you can figure out all of your insults <laughs> yeah, yeah I have a comeback for you I have a comeback for you <laughs> you yeah. know like something really comic in the mirror the entirety life. of July yeah you, you know something that I should never have known you know like literally researching them private investigators <laughs> and they give me shit and I'm like yeah well I didn't piss myself in P6 Alex <laughs> do you know what I mean <laughs> like, yeah anyway. anyway Sam it's been a pleasure I'll see you later That's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to get your tickets for the Sora Meetup in London, August the 5th in the Waterloo area. If you need more details, reach out to me. Otherwise, get your ticket below. Make sure you get it soon because there will be perks for getting them early. Um, and yeah, hopefully we'll see you there. Bye-bye. <laughs>